Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Um, for the sermon. Multiple choice, though. You'll be okay. Multiple choice. And D is always a, a stupid answer, so you don't have to worry about D. Well, hey, um, we are wrapping up our series on Go the Distance. Um, and, uh, and like usual, uh, when this sermon series kind of came about, uh, usually they kind of start uh, simmering in Stephen's mind and in his heart a little bit before he kind of, we start talking about it, and then we kind of brainstorm a little bit. And, and he said to me one day, he's like, what do you think about when you, when you hear the phrase, Go the Distance? what comes to mind when you hear go the distance and and he was kind of thinking off the the track mind of running running the race and going the distance getting to the end of that marathon or that finish line or whatever and and for me I I thought of boxing which I'm not even a a fan of boxing I don't watch boxing Um, I don't really watch MMA Um, I do watch wrestling um, because that's really real Um, so So I, I stick to that stuff, you know, the real true stuff. But anyway, uh, when I think about go the distance, I think about that boxing. Uh, and a scene came to mind as I was working on my sermon, and I was like, I don't know how I didn't think about this scene before. Um, and I wish I could have gotten it for you uh, so that you could have watched it. Because if you haven't seen the scene, it's just such a funny scene. Um, anybody remember the 90s TV show Family Matters? Family Matters, Steve Urkel, right? There's an episode where there's this bully at school, and he's picking on everybody. And, uh, and Eddie, the oldest Winslow boy, is getting picked on. And Laura, the, the uh, eldest daughter of the Winslow family, is getting picked on. And all the other cool kids, all the jocks, all the, all the who's who of the school are getting picked on. The only kid that stands up to him is one Steve Urkel. The nerd. The ultimate nerd. I, I, don't think, I think all nerds are an archetype of Steve Urkel. If, if there's a nerd anywhere, it's based on Steve Urkel. Um, And Steve Urkel's sense of rightness and justness causes him to stand up to this bully. He says, you can't treat people like this. And so they decide they're going to settle the score, right? After school, they're going to do a boxing match. And the winner is is the winner, right? So Steve Urkel's here, scrawny, nerdy, uh, can't stand or walk straight. He's constantly clumsy, total klutz. And he's going to fight this jock. And he's supposed to try to win this boxing match. And so Steve Urkel gets in there, and he climbs through the ropes, and he trips over the, the front rope. So it's already starting off bad. And he's, his whole plan is just to avoid him long enough. Just to, to outlast him in the match. Just to let the time tick away and just keep moving and dodging. And, 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 just, and he's doing all this goofy stuff. And so when I think about going the distance, I think about trying to outlast. Trying to endure long enough trying to survive the ultimate that we know is going to inevitably come but we're trying to last it out go the distance Um, 
But the interesting thing about that is that that's not the best picture for me of, of Steve Urkel and his determination of, of going the distance. In fact, this is one of the places where his true go-the-distance story um, is really begins to make a shift because his whole life he's been pining after this Laura Winslow, this girl next door who has no interest in him at all, zero. But she admires him in this moment because he's the only one brave enough to do what he knows is right while everybody else cowers and fears. And so it, it prolongs for a while yet. This was somewhere in the second season when this boxing match happened. And it continues, stretches out for, for a while um, where he continues to chase after her. But it was Steve Urkel's determination, his resilience to being told no time and time again by Laura. And it was his adaptability that allowed him to continue to strive after the woman of his dreams. And eventually, she realizes what a great guy he is, and they begin to date, and I think even towards the end, of, they might have get married at the last season. I don't even remember now. Um, it was a long time ago. But going the distance, going the distance means we're going to have obstacles along the way. It means we're going to have setbacks along the way. It means that things are going to get difficult along the way. It means your life is not going to be easy. Somewhere in, in our American psyche, somebody started to lie that Christianity made life easy. That if you believe in Jesus, life becomes easy. I don't know where that lie originated. I don't know where it started. But for some reason, we still, even today, can't completely get rid of that idea in our culture. There's still this embedded idea that if I believe the right thing, somehow my life is supposed to be good, or at least better than those people who are doing the wrong things. But that's not the case. In fact, a lot of times, the walk for the Christian is even more difficult, even more obstacles along the way, even more trials along the way. But we know the reward at the end. We know that our trials are not for nothing. They have a purpose behind them. Well, I invite you um, this morning as we conclude our Go the Distance series to think about these two terms in relation to going the distance. Acknowledgement and adaptability. If you are to go the distance in life, if you are to go the distance in your spiritual walk with God, there must be a point where you acknowledge things that are happening to you and around you you have to acknowledge that the world that you grew up in is not the world that exists today. And so life has to be a little bit different. Therefore, you have to adapt. You have to adapt. You have to change. You have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to alter things that you thought were true, and maybe they were true, but now things are different. Acknowledgement and adaptability. I invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you or your phone or what have you, uh, to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 5 and read through verse 9. And it's just a few verses, but there's so much here in these few verses, and, and really in the surrounding verses too. There's just so much here to unpack. Um, so to do justice to it, we can't read much more than it. Um, than these few verses, but um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, starting verse 5, says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, 
who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name. And it goes on from there, but that's the the crux that I want to look at today. That's the main piece here. Um, Jesus and his move across the cosmos to us, putting on flesh, becoming man. It was um, two weeks into the school semester. I was 11 years old. It was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'd just come upstairs to begin my school day. I poured myself a bowl of Oreo O's, and I began to chow down on delicious, nutritious breakfast cereal. And I, as was common at the time, my mom frequently watched the Today Show. We had a little box TV in the corner of our kitchen counter, right about over here. I was sitting right about here, and and right up over there, probably about where that screen is, was the TV. And she's watching the Today Show. Matt Lauer's on there, and he's talking whatever. And I remember hearing them cut away, and he said, it's breaking news. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, what's going on this early in the morning? And I remember seeing the building that I was only familiar with in Spider-Man, um, with plumes of smoke coming out of it and fire coming out of it, right? And, and for about 70% of this room, we know where I'm going now with this story, and others of you weren't even born yet, so you have no idea. Um, I remember seeing the World Trade Center on fire, 11 years old, and I remember being glued to that TV, wondering what is going on, and I think I even said as much. I think I asked my mom, I said, what, what just happened? And probably knowing my mom, I don't really, really remember what she said because I was probably in such a haze at that point of everything that I'm trying to reconcile in my 11-year-old brain of what just happened. Um, she probably said something along the lines of, we don't really know, we're trying to figure that out. And I'm watching this unfold and the news reporters are coming out and you know they're all speculating. Um, many of you watched the same coverage that I watched, um, so you probably remember it too. They're all speculating, trying to figure out what is happening, what, what just happened. And I remember watching. I literally watched the TV as I saw a second plane fly across the TV and careen into that second tower. Explosion. The likes I'd never seen on a movie before. For all the special effects and all the explosions and all the action movies, uh, it, somehow it paled in comparison because even in my 11-year-old brain, I realized this is real. This is different than all those other things. You might be saying, well, what, why is he talking about 9-11, about going the distance? Well, because this is a big part of my story of going the distance. Acknowledgement. Acknowledging the things that have changed us. Acknowledging the moments in time that have altered the course of our future. See, up to that point for me, I, I was like most 11-year-old boys, kind of stereotypical. Um, 
I wanted to spend the rest of my life playing video games. I was going to make a career out of that. Or if I got real serious about it, I was like, well, I know I can't play video games as a career. I'll make video games as a career, right? But even in those moments of my unrealistic expectations about the future, I had this big heart, and I always felt this push to serve, to care for others. And so there was a lot of of job opportunities that I thought sounded appealing to me as an 11-year-old kid. I thought, man, I could be a firefighter, I could be a police officer, I could do, uh, you know, humanity outreach stuff, I could be uh, involved in all these different kinds of, of programs or events, whatever it was that I could find my way helping people. But for whatever reason, I don't really know why, my dad served in the Air Force, and so I regularly saw him in his uniform. I never thought about the military. That never crossed my mind until this moment at 11 years old when I watched in disbelief at what was happening. It dawned on me a couple weeks ago when I was away at training that we have service members now joining our forces who weren't even born when 9-11 happened, right? That's part of life. Life moves on and life progresses and changes, but it's so weird for me because this was such a moment that was foundational and changed my whole life. I mean, it's literally probably the biggest reason I'm in the military today is because of this moment, because of what I saw happen. And I remember my dad coming home early from work, kind of excited to see us and to be with us, but kind of frustrated and upset because he felt like he should be doing his job, but there wasn't really anything for him to do at that point, right? Um, and I remember wondering, well, is my dad going to go? You know, is he going to go to war? All this kind of stuff, and it plays out. Never would I have thought in my wildest dreams or imaginations, with the little history that I knew about uh, American conflicts and wars, um, and the way it was always painted, especially in like grade school, was that we kind of go in there, we knock it out, and we go back home two days later. Um, Never would I have imagined that we would still be involved in that same conflict that was a result of this by the time I was 18. But I remember saying, when I'm 18 years old, if something like this would happen again, I'd enlist, I'd serve, I'd go do something. I made a commitment at that point in my life to do that. It changed the trajectory of my life. I could have ignored it. I could have ignored the impact of that moment. But I didn't. I acknowledged what it was doing in my heart and in my, my calling, and I embraced it. Oops, wrong way. Twelve months, 14 months later, November of 2002, the second picture up there is a picture of Estes Park, Colorado, the YMCA of the Rockies. I had been there for a weekend retreat with my youth group. Uh, we went as a district. We had a great time, and I remember... It was the last service on the last night. We had the one more closeout service the next morning to go home. And I remember the speaker standing up there and, and saying, if, if somebody in this room, he said, I believe somebody in this room, I believe somebody in this room is being called to be a pastor. Twelve. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I made that weird commitment last year. But I hadn't really thought about it all that much since then either, right? I mean, you, those of you who are alive remember how 
that transition, at some point, we kind of just progressed as normal almost, especially for those of us who weren't living in the high-impacted areas. If you were in New York City, it was a little bit different story living there, seeing the carnage and the destruction every day. But for many of us out this way, at some point, we kind of just began to progress, even though it was still dominating the news, and we knew stuff was happening, we knew things were going on, but especially for me, being 11 years old, life just progressed. And so now here I am, 12, and God's saying, I believe, or this man's saying, this preacher's saying, I believe somebody's being called to be a pastor. And God spoke to me and said, that's you. How do I reconcile this? Right? How do I how do I bring that? I, I, I already made a commitment over here. How do I make this commitment? And how do I fulfill that one if I've made this one? And another opportunity to choose whether or not to acknowledge. So I chose to acknowledge it. And I chose to adapt my life to fit that. And so for the next several years, I, per, I pursued ministry. I pursued this calling I pursued service to others. And so many of you know this story. I don't want to bore you with the details of my life. I think I've shared many of these parts and pieces over, over the course of time. But, and I, I'll share more if you were just curious about my life. I don't have any problem talking to you about it. But um, when it came time for college, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to go to school and, and figure out all this stuff, right? the opportunity really presented itself of, well, bring those together. Like, don't pursue this track and this track, military and pastor. Like, bring those together. Marry those, those two ideas, those two concepts together. And, and from that point, 17, 18 years old, birthed these, this idea of serving in the National Guard as a chaplain and, and being a, a local church pastor, serving my community and serving my country simultaneously, uh, fulfilling both of those callings, fulfilling both of those, those moments of foundational significance in my life, I can't forget either of those moments. I, so I grew up in the church. I don't really have a salvation story. I know that might sound scary to some of you folk. But I don't really have a salvation story. I've just always known Jesus. And I've always wanted to follow Jesus. And I've always longed to be like Jesus. And so like, there, there's not this moment in my life where I was like, I really recall of like, I'm choosing to follow Jesus because I just always did. And so these moments for me were really those moments where, where God called me to a deeper level. God called me to go further, to do more, to be invested more. And I had to choose to what level I was willing to listen to that. To what level I was willing to acknowledge that calling in my heart and how I was going to change my own plans and my own life to make that a reality. We have to acknowledge the moments that have shaped us. Acknowledge the moments that have shaped you. Maybe 9-11 was a shaping moment for you. Maybe it wasn't. But all of us have moments in our lives that have shaped us, that have changed us, that have made us who we are today. And if you want to go the distance in your life, if you want to go the distance with Jesus, if you want to live a lifelong full of faithfulness and walking with God, you have to acknowledge the things that have changed you. Don't act like they didn't happen. 
it might be a, a good change or a bad change. And usually the ones we don't want to acknowledge are the bad changes. The things that hurt us. The things that scarred us. The things that caused pain. But if we want to go the distance, we cannot ignore those. We have to acknowledge them. We have to acknowledge them. And in, when we acknowledge them, then we have to realize that now we must adapt. We must adapt to a new normal in light of the new realities. That the way things were being done before isn't going to cut it anymore because things have changed. And so I too need to change. Scripture says that um, God is continuing to do a new thing. That God is the God of new things. He is making all things new. He's continuing to do new things over and over and over and over again. But for some reason, we have this cultural aversion to change. We, we don't like change. We somehow think that if we must change, then we must have been wrong somewhere along the way. But adapting to new normals doesn't mean that what you were doing before was ever wrong. It means that things changed. And we have to acknowledge that things have changed and embrace the new normal to make new realities. Bishop T.D. Jakes, he's an author, pastor, um, says the art of avoiding extremes is an art that is drawn on the canvas of maturity and painted with abstract strokes of many experiences. This idea of extremes. This is, this is where, this, this idea, the reason I bring this out is because this is where we get caught up a lot of times when we talk about being able to adapt and being able to move forward and being able to change and acknowledge the things that we need to change is, is when we have embraced extremes in our lives, it makes it harder to adapt. When I have said, I will never do this, it makes it really hard to eat that crow when God says, you're going to go do that. Right? I was very careful. That was one of the, the lessons I learned early on in my, my time in ministry training um, was I uh, had a professor tell me in the class said, don't ever say that you won't go here or there because that'll be the place that God calls you. Avoid extremes. Don't pigeonhole yourself to this set of rules if it's not solely and fully and entirely the mission of Jesus. You can go to the extremes of saying, I'm going to follow Jesus wherever he goes, wherever he calls me. That's a great extreme. But to say, I'm going to follow Jesus as long as he doesn't send me to Michigan. Guess where you're going? Or guess where you're going to be called to? Because God wants us to grow. God wants us to change. He wants us to mature. He wants us to adapt. He wants us to become more like Jesus. And so he's going to call us and put us in places and situations where we have to choose whether or not we want to become like Jesus. Do you want to become like Jesus? Buckle up for hard choices. Buckle up for hard lessons. 
be willing to adapt when you acknowledge that things need to change. Let's go back to Philippians real quick here. Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It's on the screen for you if you lost your place in your Bible. It says, talking about Jesus, who existed or existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. Jesus acknowledged that things had changed. Jesus, co-eternal with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune God, was, existed before the world existed. They have no beginning and no end. God is indefinite. And so Jesus, being with God in the beginning, was part of the creation of the world. Laid the foundations of the universe. The plants, the trees, the water, the animals made humanity in his image. The image of God. We reflect that image. And then throughout the course of history and time, of course, sin entered into the story. And that's when things really started to get messed up. Because now we've got a brother murdering a brother. And we've got peoples fighting against peoples. And we've got all kinds of struggle for power and influence and control. And as I said earlier in our prayer this morning, kingdoms rised and kingdoms fell and, and God witnessed it all and, and Jesus is witnessing it all and, and Jesus is acknowledging all of this stuff, not pretending like it didn't happen. Because, it, I mean, let's face it, Jesus, how easy would it have been for Jesus to just chill up in heaven? Right? Things are great up there. There's nothing wrong going on over there. All that stuff is happening down there. That's, that's their problem. They need to fix that. They need to s figure out what they got to do to fix that. Glad it's not happening here. Not in my neighborhood. Not in my community. Jesus could have said that. But he didn't. He acknowledged the struggle and the pain, the suffering happening somewhere else. And he adapted his life. He put on flesh. He changed the course of history. He made himself in an aspect definite. His earthly body, his manly body, he made it definite so that it could die. The indefinite God made himself definite so he could die. Because he was acknowledging the pain and the suffering that was happening to us. So when I say, and the scriptures say, be made new like Christ. Be made in Christ's likeness. This is what it's calling us to. This idea that we don't just turn a blind eye to things that are happening over there. And, and be thankful it's not happening over here. We acknowledge it. And then we adapt our lives in response to it. Things aren't the same anymore. Things are never the same anymore. We are constantly changing. The idea of, new, of normal is, is an illusion. Every second of every day, life is changing. 
I will never get these moments back again with my boys. Life is constantly changing. They are constantly growing. They are constantly developing new ideas and new thoughts. They're maturing, hopefully. Yeah, it's okay to laugh. We're constantly changing. And so when we live a life, a spiritual life that chooses to not change, we said, I did my peace. I said, Jesus, I need you to save me, and that's all I need to do. I'm good now. We're ignoring the reality of the world around us and the way it works. And we're saying, I don't want to be like Jesus. I just, I just want Jesus to give me that free gift, but I don't want to be like Jesus. Because Jesus says that we need to change in those moments of trial and difficulty. We need to change to the realities of the world around us. We need to alter our approach. Let me illuminate it this way. Matthew chapter 9, this is uh, a first eye view of Jesus from his disciples as they were with him and he was ministering around the countryside. And here we see when he saw the crowds, this is Jesus is talking about, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is Jesus' heart. At the end of a long day where Jesus wants to do anything but deal with more people who've got more problems, more issues, Jesus comes to the crowd and he looks across the multitude and he is overwhelmed with compassion because it says they were harassed and helpless. They didn't even know what it was they needed to do to be better. They didn't know what they could do to make things better. And Jesus said, I, I have the solution. And he was filled with compassion. So if we are to acknowledge the things that have, have changed us and shaped us, and we're to adapt to the new realities, where it all starts, where it all begins is with this compassion. compassion is your heart filled with compassion is your heart filled with love for others who are hurting who are suffering who are distant from God who might not think like you, look like you act like you sound like you they might root for the wrong football team they might like Marvel more than DC Comics. I don't know why they would. If we're to truly adapt and to truly become like Jesus, to go the distance with Jesus, to be transformed and changed and renewed into His likeness, then we have to be filled first with compassion. We have to be filled with compassion because that's where Jesus started. Jesus was filled with compassion for us, for the world, for humanity, for how lost and foolish we were in pursuit of all the things we were pursuing. We must adapt in our response when we acknowledge the need 
for compassion. And sometimes, I, and, you know, a lot of times we try to leave these, these sermons on Sunday morning with kind of a, a practical step. But sometimes I'm really content with just leaving a thought and letting you wrestle with the Holy Spirit over it. Because I don't know where you need to take this message today. I believe that God placed this message on my heart for a reason because I think our, us as a body, we needed to hear this today. But I don't know where you personally need to take this message today. Maybe the place you need to start with compassion is for yourself. Maybe you're not giving yourself enough grace and love and forgiveness. Maybe you need to start with somebody else. I don't know. I don't know what your story is. I don't know every aspect of your life. But if you want to go the distance, I know that we have to start with compassion. If you don't want to be one of those people that says, I'm following Jesus, and then 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you decide, ah, that Jesus thing just really didn't work out for me. You have to be filled with compassion. Because the world's going to beat you up. It's going to knock you down. It's going to give you every reason, to use a boxing analogy, not to get up to beat the count. Every single reason. But it's your compassion that drives you, that gets you up, that pushes you forward, that says, Jesus, continue to do that work in me, even though it's painful and it's hard and it's treacherous. Will you continue to pour yourself into me? So I'm going to pray for us and, and with us. But I want you, once again, to just take a moment. Maybe you, you know where this message is taking you this morning, or maybe you don't. If you don't know what God is saying to you or wants you to do with this message this morning, I want you to just begin to ask Him. Say, God, show me what this needs to do with my life. And maybe you do know where it's to be applied. And you can ask for boldness, for courage, for grace, for compassion to do those things. Will you pray? Heavenly Father, I wish I could uh, say and believe that a life that's fallen after you is, is a little bit simpler. As many of us do the best we can to, to simplify our lives because, let's face it, our schedules get busy and work is hectic and we're always looking for a way to, to cut out some of that stressors. The reality is, is that our walk with you is anything but simple. The reality is, is that you continue to call us to change and to transformation. The reality is, is that you desire for us to go the distance. That a lot of this time we've been talking about our hopes to go the distance and our, our thriving to go to the distance with you, Jesus. But the reality is, is that there's nothing that you want more than for us to go the distance. There's nothing that you want more. As, as great as it will sound to our ears to, to hear 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. God, there's nothing that you want to do and say more than that. You are far more overjoyed by the faithfulness of your people than the satisfaction we get of being faithful. Because you see the full picture, God. You see the reality of the world as it has been, as it is going to be, and as it will be. You know the trials that Christians before us have long suffered. You know the trials that in our faithfulness we will be called to suffer through. And you know the trials that our children and our children's children and our children's children's children will face. And you have given us enough grace and enough compassion and enough strength to face those challenges. If we lean into you, if we trust in you, if we continue to adapt, if we continue to acknowledge the things that are shaping us, acknowledge your presence in our lives, the things you're calling us to, the places you're pushing us and moving us, even in the scary things. So God, I pray for each one of us in this room. That you not let up where your Holy Spirit is calling us to be changed. That you press the hinges a little bit harder where you're trying to grow us. And that you wrap your arms around us to give us the strength we need to be changed, to adapt, to go the distance so that we might be faithful to you in all of our days. We ask this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Will you stand and I'll give you the blessing and the benediction this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may you be faithful in all of your days and in all of your ways to the Lord God Almighty. Go in his grace and peace today. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.